Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. Your co-host Zach. I'm your co-host Blue. Welcome back to episode 27. First and foremost, man, we we, we thank everyone for all the previous support we've been getting on all the other episodes, including episode 26 and all the clips and all the reels we've been posting. We've been getting a lot of support recently. It's been translating to a lot of subscribers. You know, I think currently right now we're at uh, 327, so we appreciate all the support we've been getting, and uh, we're going to keep going up. Yep, we're on the road to 1,000. Keep, keep getting everyone to subscribe, all your friends and everything. We talk about all different types of topics, as you guys know, from sports, music, to culture. Yeah, and we're going to keep going and uh, hit the subscribe button down below right next to the description box. It's white down. Hit the subscribe button. Man, we're on the grind. While you're in the description, hit the link tree. Follow us on the social media platforms. And uh, yeah, you got anything else? Yeah, we want to see your comments down below on all the reels and every other social media platform that we're on. Facebook post, everything. You ready to get into it? Yeah, with that being said, let's shoot straight into it. So with the NFL, like always, let's go ahead and just get straight into it. We got the NFL Week 10 pick em. We're officially past the midway point of the season. Uh, you ready to get into it, our picks? Yes, sir. NFL Week 10 pick em. Let's go. Seahawks versus Bucks. I got the Seahawks. I got the Seahawks. Lions versus Bears. I got the Bears. I got the Bears. Browns versus Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. Broncos versus Titans. I got the Titans. Damn, I got the Titans. Vikings versus Bills. I got the Vikings. I got the Bills. Texans versus Giants. I got the Giants. I got the Giants. Jaguars versus Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. Saints versus Steelers. I got the Saints. I got the Steelers. <laughs> Colts versus Raiders. I got the Colts. I got the Colts. Cardinals versus Rams. I got the Cardinals. I got the Cardinals. Cowboys versus Packers. I got the Cowboys. Cowboys. And then Chargers versus 49ers. I got the 49ers. Chargers. Commanders versus Eagles. I got to take the Eagles. Of course. Everyone's taking the Eagles on that one. So, yeah. No cap, bro. Everybody can take the Eagles on that one. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things, you know, I think everyone probably expects them to keep their undefeated streak going. Facts. And who knows how long this will go throughout the season. Yeah. It, I don't think it's going to – I don't think they're uh, breaking the 72 Dolphins record or anything like that, but we'll see how long it goes. Facts. We'll see how long it goes. Ready to get into Josh Allen's injury. Yeah, man. All these quarterbacks are getting injured. Obviously, the biggest name in football, arguably, Josh Allen. Some would say he's the MVP at this point in the season. Last game, he suffered a UCL injury. He's had this type of injury before. It's on his throwing arm. Let's go ahead and get your thoughts on this injury first. It's just the way that these new quarterbacks are running, man. It's the new type of quarterback style, man. It's just instead of being accurate and throwing it, they're just trying to get out the pocket and run. And that's just the way the way it's going. And you're seeing it with Matthew Stafford and Kyle Murray also being injured. I think Kyle Murray will actually be able to probably play this game. It's rumored that he'll be able to play. but And with Matt Stafford, I don't think so because it's the concussion issue. And, you know, with Tua and everything that happened, I just, I just don't think he'll be able to play. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, I, I would say obviously, you know, you never want to see a guy like Josh Allen get injured, obviously, Facts. especially given how great he's been playing. And you know, let's just be honest the Bills, they're a great team, but they aren't going to the heights that they uh, want to go without Josh Allen. I think everybody knows that, of course. You know, this for this particular week against the Vikings, you know, I've, I've heard reports that from trusted sources that he won't be playing this week. That that did play into my pick. and. You know, it remains to be seen because there's no official word. However, the rumor is on the street that he won't be playing. We'll know tomorrow, you know, what what obviously ends up happening with that. I would say 
based on the reports that we've seen, no more than 10% of his UCL ligament is currently injured, which is a good sign because typically 25 to 33% being torn is the threshold for Tommy John surgery, which is the uh, obviously worst case scenario for Josh Allen. If he had to get Tommy John surgery, it'd be pretty much over for, for him in the season. You know, it'd be over for the Bills. However, I think that the Bills, we'll see exactly what happens tomorrow, but I think that the Bills are doing the right thing if they rest him. I think they are already, we already know what the Bills are going to be. We know how important Josh Allen is to that, and we know that this is a lingering kind of injury. He's had it in the past, and I think the best case scenario for them is to just let him rest. When you look at their upcoming schedule past this week, they play the Browns, the Lions, the Patriots, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Bengals, and the Patriots again. Realistically, even without Josh Allen, I could see them getting four to five yeah, wins. Yeah, they're not. They're not getting many. That no, 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 no. I, I disagree. I think that I could see them getting four to five wins from that schedule, even without Josh Allen. This it's team hard, is. This though, team is. A, no, no, no. This team is a loaded team, and you got to trust Case Keenum. Let's not act like Case Keenum is a bum backup quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's a damn good backup, and that's why Buffalo went out of their way to get him in case. Josh Allen went down. We have seen it in the past. We've seen it with the 2017 Minnesota Vikings. He led that team to the NFC Championship game, and he was damn close to getting them to the Super Bowl, which obviously Nick Foles and the Eagles ended up winning with their miraculous run. He hasn't it, played since, though. We uh, we were very close to that happening, and I'm not going to act like that if he steps into the Buffalo Bills to be their quarterback if Josh Allen is out long term, that he's going to magically show up and be 2017 Case Keenum again. But let's not act like he's you know going to be complete ass or anything of that. I think that he will be able to step in, be a game manager, do what he needs to do, not turn the ball over. And I think that the Buffalo, they won't be a contender to they won't beat the they won't beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead or anything like that without Josh Allen. But they're still gonna be a damn good team, even if Josh Allen is out in case Keenum has to step in. And that's why, given that the schedule that they have, it makes the most sense for them to take a step back and say, Look, Josh Allen, you're the guy not only for this season, but for the next ten seasons. And we need you healthy not only for this playoff run that we're about to go into because we could potentially win the damn Super Bowl, but also we need you healthy for the future. So let's just go ahead and take a take a risk here. No, Take no risk. Set the bench this game, maybe the next couple of games, and let's let you get fully, fully healthy because ultimately the Buffalo Bills are not going anywhere without Josh Allen long term. So they need him to be the guy. But in the short term, Case Keenum can definitely be that guy. Yeah, and I love the style of play with quarterbacks running out the pocket because defensive ends are only getting faster and they're just getting in faster rushing in the pocket, so they got to find a way out. But if you're not, if you're not just getting rid of that rock, man, right away, it's just you're bound to get hit. It's just how how the game works. Yeah, I, I would say that obviously you know Josh Allen does play like that. However, this injury did come inside the pocket. Of course. So it's one of those things. The injury came inside the pocket. It just happens. There's nothing that he could have done at the end of the day, and. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's one of those things. They need to rest him because there is a lot of other great teams in the AFC, and if Josh Allen isn't their quarterback come January and playoff time, they aren't beating the Dolphins. They aren't beating the Chiefs. They might not even they might not beat anybody. They might be a first-round exit. So they're going to need Josh Allen come playoff time. But when it, like I said, with this remaining schedule that they got, it's, a, it's pretty weak, if I'm being honest. So they, yeah. can, they can get away with Case Keenum. It's just hard for me to remember a time when Ke Case Keenum has played, except for that 2017 NFC Championship. Well, the season after that, he got a big money contract to go play in Denver. And then, you know, he didn't honestly, he, did, he wasn't, you know, the Case Keenum that he was in 2017, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't bad. 
And now, you know, he's just settled him back into his role as a backup, and that's what he is. But, you but he's a damn good backup. You would, would you compare him to a backup like Cooper Rush, though? No, he's better. Really? I, I'm, taking, I'm taking him because of the experience. You're not trusting Cooper Rush to come playoff time. We've seen Case Keenum do it. He's taken the Vikings to an NFC Championship game. You can't look past that. You have to trust him. Like I said, they're not going to beat the Chiefs or anything. And that is, you're not making the Super Bowl with Case Keenum, even though that they have a, an amazing roster around them. They have all of that. But they're not going to make the Super Bowl or anything like that with Case Keenum. But the point that I'm trying to make with Case Keenum is more that you look at this weak-ass schedule that the Bills <laughs> got. You can play them now, and Josh Allen will be 100% healthy come playoff time, and that's what they need. Facts. If there's a healthy Josh Allen playing for the Buffalo Bills when we get to playoff time, they will be a contender to make the Super Bowl. If he's not healthy, they will not be a contender to make the Super Bowl. It's pretty simple. They just need a quarterback to barely get by because they, they got good weapons. They got a good defense. They just need somebody that won't turn the ball over who and, and somebody who can get you 250 yards a game, who can hand the ball off effectively to the running back, You know, get the ball in the screen game to Naheem Hines with their new pickup, get the ball to Gabe Davis, get the ball to Stephon Diggs. It's not, it's not rocket science to play quarterback <laughs> for the Buffalo Bills. They have a great roster, a great coach, and one of the best, if not the best, defense in the NFL. Exactly. That's why they are set up for success in the regular season with these remaining games, even with Case Keenum. And that's why I would aid on the side of caution and make sure my star quarterback, Josh Allen, is 100% healthy. Because if he's not, you know you're not going anywhere long-term, but in the short-term, yeah, sure, you can go somewhere. Yeah. So you ready to get into the next NFL topic? I'm ready. So we got the Colts hiring a new coach, Jeff Saturday. What's your initial thoughts on it? You know, I would say my initial thoughts on this, it, it's a head-scratcher. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, this came out of left field. Nobody, and I mean nobody, expected this to, to happen. I think, I think everyone at a certain point kind of knew Frank Reich, his time, although he's a, a decent coach in my opinion, his time with the Colts was coming to an end just because of how bad they've been playing this year. However, once they made that move to officially fire him, I don't really think anybody expected Jeff Saturday to be called from ESPN. He has no experience. He's the new head of coach. I think it is almost a slap to the face of a lot of guys that have a lot of NFL coaching experience that have been overlooked in this sense. And I think one name that comes to mind, obviously he's not going to take the job mid-season, but Eric Bieniemy, head uh, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, he's been obviously a top candidate to become a head coach, I think for two, three off-seasons now, has been overlooked and not given a position every single year. And then we see a guy like Jeff Saturday, no head coaching experience except for high school, Exactly. He gets a head coaching job out of nowhere. I think it's like a slap to the face to those types of guys and a lot of coordinators and a lot of just guys who have coaching experience everywhere. I think it's a slap to the face and honestly, in a way, kind of disrespectful. And they're probably just favoring Jeff Saturday because he played for the Colts, correct, back in the day. Yeah. However, though, like the players, they don't tend to be good coaches all the time. Yeah, it's one of those things you never quite know how it's going to work out. However, I can say that uh, it's disrespectful to all of the other head coaches and all of the other coaches in the NFL in general because this guy, you know, he has no qualifications to be doing this <laughs> job. However, with that being said, I think I know I just criticized the hire, but I don't I think I'm not criticizing the hire because I think he's going to do bad. I'm criticizing the hire because I think it's a slap to the face to other coaches. With that being said, I have faith in Jeff Saturday to actually do a damn good job as a head coach. And I know it might be surprising to some. However, I think and he said it in his interview, he knows offenses and he knows that pick, uh, OG Colts offense led by Peyton Manning just as good as Peyton Manning did. 
he was not quite just as important to that team as Peyton Manning and those types of guys, but he was he's a damn legend, and he's pretty damn important to those teams. You, you're not going to – those Colts teams wouldn't have been the Colts teams they were without Jeff Saturday, and that's why. He is a leader of men. He's a guy who knows football, and he's a guy who I think can, can squeeze the best out of players. And at the end of the day, he's going to play good situational football, and he's going to do things that are going to get wins. I think – He's going to do ground and pound. He's not going to throw the ball too much, especially given the fact that they're playing Sam Ellinger, a rookie quarterback. I think they're going to ground and pound Jonathan Taylor. They said that they're going to take field goals when they have the opportunities and not take too many risks. They're going to take points. They're going to play efficient football. They're going to play quality football. And I think that this is obviously the Colts season is not going to magically transform and they're going to become a playoff team. But I think that they're actually going to be a more competent football team. And I honestly do think he will be, and right now he's the interim, I do think he will be getting a look in as the actual full head coach after this season because I think he's going to do a damn good job. And I don't think Ursay would give him the job if he didn't have 100% faith in him, and I know he does. And at the end of the day, I think it's a slap to the face to other coaches, but I think he will succeed as a, a head coach with the Colts. That's one of the things that I was going to say, though. I believe that they really should have given another person an opportunity. There was way enough, like, enough job openings to just give another person, like you said, the Kansas City assistant chief coach, a job, bro. Like, because Jeff Saturday just doesn't have enough experience, man. It's just, like, almost like, not necessarily favoritism, but, like, I guess you're saying, like, he knows the offense. He's a Colts OG, but he, he was playing on offense, but he doesn't know that much defense. Although he was a high school coach, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like there's other people qualified more for the job. I think that's the only complaint you could make with this hire, that there's other people more qualified for the job. However, you know, once you just accept the fact that he was hired and there's nothing else to really go on based We're on... We're just going to have to see what happens. You're going to have to see what happens, but, you know, you can make a point that he shouldn't have been hired in the first place. And, and I 100% agree with that point. It's a fair point. Like I said, I agree with it. However, once you accept the fact that now he's been hired and you look at it based on now, how will he do as a head coach instead of should he have been hired in the first place? How will he actually perform as a head coach? I have to think, although he went 3-7 and seven coaching in high school, and that, that's pretty damn bad, I think he will be able to lead an NFL team well. I think he's going to be a better version of Dan Campbell. And I think we all know Dan Campbell as a good motivator, a guy that players love to play for. And with the Detroit Lions, it just has not quite translated into wins. I think Jeff Saturday is going to be a leader of men. People are going to want to play for him. He's going to be a player's coach. People are going to respect him. And that's obviously one of the number one things. I think all of those things, those are traits of a winning football team. And I think Jeff Saturday is going to be able to do that. And I think he's going to lead this Colts team to a good second half of the season. And he's going to be getting a look in to be their head coach full time, even if they face media backlash, if they do do that. Because at the end of the day, the Colts have been getting backlash for many, many things throughout the years. And Jim Irsay does not care. He's going to do what he feels like is right for his football team. And I think, ultimately, he wouldn't have done this if he didn't feel like it was the right move. And I think he's going to be getting the head coaching job after the season. But I could say, though, you can't blame Jeff Saturday if they can't finish well off throughout the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because they're not looking so good right now. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, but it's one of those things, if it doesn't go well, and let's just say they go 0-9 for the remaining games or something like that, you know he's not getting the job. You know, it's just one of the things. I think that they're going to be significantly better than what they were now, and I think when that's the case and it's a complete 360, you know what I mean? I think 
he's you know even if Jim Mercer doesn't want to give him the job, he's going to be forced to. And I, obviously, he does want to give him the job because he did give him the job. We'll have to see how he performs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know, like I said, it's completely out of left field. Nobody expected this. They called him from the streets of ESPN. You know, he was literally <laughs> what one day he was being an analyst, and then the next day uh, he's a head coach of a football team. I don't think he expected it. And it's funny enough. He was on Twitter last week as an ESPN analyst saying, hashtag Raiders suck, LOL. And this week, he's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts playing against the Raiders. Funny how, how life comes at you fast. <laughs> Facts. Life does come at you fast. You, know, you never know what to expect. Yeah, so let's get in, this, let's get in these mid-season rookie ratings. Yeah, obviously there's uh, everyone's favorite thing to do. Look at rookies because, look, these are the future stars of the NFL. These are guys that are going to be playing on many, many Sundays to come. These are the guys that we're going to see for potentially 10, 15 years. And these are guys that franchises are building their teams around. And at the end of the day, if you have one of these, if you have the offensive rookie of the year and you have the defensive rookie of the year on your football team, you're looking good for the future at the end of the day. So I'll hand it off to you first. Who do you got? Oof. Well, I got Kenneth Walker. He's been straight up slapping. With only four games starting, have started, he's already racked up over 420 yards with six touchdowns. Bro, he's going crazy, bro. He's helping Geno Smith create a balanced offense, bro. Because we already know, man, Geno Smith can throw the rock. Mm -hmm. He's proven that this season. Mm -hmm. So with Kenneth Walker, bro, being able to run, oof. The Seahawks are looking dangerous again. Yeah, and, and like I said, like we said last episode, nobody expected that. No one, and it, like I said, dangerous. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very extremely. You know, we uh, obviously we're gonna see, you know, how they continue to play out for the rest of the season. I, I was tempted to pick Kenneth Walker for my pick, however, you know, I had to lean towards somebody who's been a little bit more consistent for me. And my offensive rookie of the year pick, as of right now. Chris Olave, wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints. Saints. We have him in our personal fantasy team and all of yeah. that. You know, we you know he's doing great this season for us. Let's just you know look his stats so far this season: thirty-seven catches, five hundred and forty-seven yards, two touchdowns, fifty-eight point seven percent catch rate, and only a three point two percent drop rate. Fourteen point eight yards per perception. And let's just be honest: the Saints got nobody, but they got the Red Rocket. They got Andy Dalton playing quarterback. You know. It, it's hard to put up numbers with this guy as your quarterback. He's just not good. Let's just be honest, he's not good. You know, the Saints, they need a quarterback desperately. And whether or not, you know, it's going to be Jameis when he's fully healthy or whatever, or, you know, I think they need to get a young guy. But that's besides the point. <laughs> Chris Olave is finding a way to put up numbers and be the Saints wide receiver one, which at the beginning of the season, he was supposed to be their wide receiver three because they had Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry supposed to be kind of the main guys both of those guys injured Michael Thomas injured for the rest of the season Olave as a rookie has had to step up and be the wide receiver one and that's exactly what he's done I'm pretty sure he's putting the best stats up as a rookie correct that's, that's, wide that's, receiver that's what I'm saying he's the best rookie wide receiver by a mile and you have to give credit to Ohio State because they consistently find a way led by great wide receiver coach Brian Hartline they consistently put out great wide receivers into the NFL they they, they, they do it consistently if I'm an NFL GM and, I, and, and I'm you know, about to uh, pick, a, pick a player in the NFL draft, it's a surefire bet. Pick an Ohio State wide receiver. He's going to be good. For the rest of the season, Chris Olave is projected to get 
85 receptions and 1,320 yards, which is incredible numbers as a rookie. And these numbers would be also given the fact that he has missed one game with a concussion. So imagine an extra game in there, how many more receptions and how many more yards he might have on top of that. He's having an incredible season for a rookie. And let's just be honest, I think if he's able to be this consistent like he has been through the first nine games, he's able to keep doing that for the rest of the season, I think he's going to run away with the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. However, it will be interesting to see how Kenneth Walker and the Seahawks finish off their season and how their running back room looks because, you know, he might run his way into the first place and get the award, you know? Exactly. They're playing a real balanced offense right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but I would say as of today, for me, Olave is the favorite. And I got Kenneth Walker. So defense, who you got? Oof. For defense, I'm picking Sauce Gardner. He's just been an absolute beast for the secondary for the defense. And he's been able to give Zach Wilson a chance to actually win this season. Because, like, you know what I'm saying? The Jets, they're they're doing pretty decent. Mm -hmm. They're not doing horrible like they usually have been doing. And like I said, Sauce Gardner has been the key to that. And he's already being discussed as one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. So, poof. Yeah. The Jets' secondary is only going to look good for years to come yeah you know I think this one like defensive rookie of the year everyone is picking the same guy it's Sauce Gardner it's all day it's Sauce Gardner it, it, he's already won the award now he could you know he, anything could happen for the rest of the season it doesn't matter he's already won the award this guy has absolutely been incredible he leads the NFL with a 90.4 pro football focus coverage grade he leads the NFL in pass breakups. So far this season, he's covered wide receivers such as Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Tyreek Hill, T- Jalen Waddle, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Stephon Diggs, and Gabe Davis so far. And we don't even know what's coming up next. He's going to continue to be guarding every other team's wide receiver one. That's, what, that's how good Sauce Gardner is. He's only allowed four catches for 28 yards in man coverage. In total, he's only allowed 20 catches for 189 yards on 347 coverage snaps. And he's not just the rookie of the year, in my opinion. He's already cemented himself as a top five corner in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. He is that good. And we all expected him to be good. But I don't know if we all expected him to be this good this soon. He is better at this point of his career as a rookie than Darrell Rivas was when he was a rookie coming for the Jets. And that's high expectations to beat. And Sauce Gardner has done it. He is him. He deserves to be wearing those cheese heads like, like he was wearing when they beat the Packers. <laughs> yeah. He deserves to do all the showboating that he's been doing. And I hate to say it as a Dolphins fan, but he is absolutely locked down. And he is must-see TV as a defensive player because he continuously finds a way to get it done. And he's going to continue, I assume, to lock up all, every team's wide receiver one like he's continued to do. Because these stats that I just read out, they're absolutely incredible. And... As a rookie to be doing this against the league's best, such as Tyree Kill and stuff like that, who is, is putting up numbers that no one has ever seen before, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And he is the main reason why the Jets are the, what the Jets that we've seen in so far this season. You know, the Jets are stereotypically terrible. They still have Zach Wilson, who I have no faith in. He's not a great quarterback. You know, let's just be honest, Jets fans, you know Zach Wilson is not really the guy. You're just kind of holding out hope that he somehow turns a corner. He ain't going to turn a corner. He's not going to be that guy, in my opinion. Sauce Gardner, however, he is that guy, and that's part of the reason why he's giving the Jets offense so many opportunities to get them enough points to win them games because he's only given up 20 catches for 189 yards in his whole campaign so far. I assume that's going to continue, and I know 
You know, they still, they're going to play Stephon Diggs again. They're going to play some great wide receivers again. And Sauce Gardner is going to continue to do his thing. I mean, he picked off Josh Allen last week, you know, yep. and led them to a win against the Buffalo Bills, who many people consider the best team in the NFL and the best quarterback in the NFL. If he's doing that, and like we've already have seen it, he's going to continue to do that. He's going to run away with the award. In my opinion, he's already won the award. And he's just working on cementing himself. He's already a top five corner. He's working on being a top three corner. And then eventually, the number one corner, he's coming for it. It's going to be inevitable. It's just a matter of if, not when. Uh, matter of when. A matter of when, not if. That's what I meant to say. There's some com- tough competition, though, in the NFL for cornerbacks right now. He, he's going he's, to, he's so young. He's so, he's going to continue to develop. Maybe, obviously, not this year. He's going to become number one. But I'd be shocked if next year he wasn't number one based on what I'm seeing. He'll definitely be. He'll definitely be in that discussion. Hey, he's going to be. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in that discussion. Facts. Because of how good he has been. I mean, these stats right here, these are stats that you expect from a, a fifth-year veteran. That's, of course. You know, you know, like th- this guy is a rookie. It's just absolutely incredible. You have to give credit to the Jets, not the Jets, general manager, the coaching staff, all of them for buckling down in the NFL draft and saying, we need to get Sauce Gardner. They believed in him. You know, They made this smart pick, something that the Jets haven't always done. They haven't always made the smart pick. And being able to coach him well. Yeah, and you have to give credit to Robert Sala because he's a defensive genius. He came from the 49ers. We knew what he could do for the Jets. We knew he would probably be able to fix that. If anyone was going to be able to fix the Jets' defense, it was going to be him because we knew just how good of a defensive mind he is. And he's just proving it. You know, the Jets, we knew that they needed to give him time. They're giving him the proper time. And this is what happens when you give a great coach proper time. And, and you also surround him with great rookies like Sauce Gardner, and you do your thing in the NFL draft, you see success. It's a recipe for success in the NFL, obviously. It's not, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. However, there's a lot of coaches who get scapegoated and they get cut you know, too early because they weren't surrounded with good talent, and they didn't fully believe in them like the Jets' uh, organization is believing in Robert Sala. And I think, obviously, he's proven himself now, and he's going to continue to do great things for the Jets. You know, maybe they're not going to be quite a contender this year because of injuries and stuff like that. However, next year, the Jets are going to be scary. Let's just be honest. You know, the AFC East division is absolutely loaded. It's going to continue to be loaded. Next year, the Jets are going to be very, very scary. Obviously, they're probably, in my opinion, going to want to get a better quarterback because I don't think Zach Wilson is (laughs) taking the leap, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be the guy. a little bit more faith in him. but. But, you know, even if they continue to roll with Zach Wilson... They're going to be able to get wins because of how good this defense is and how hard they play for Robert Silo, like I said. So you have to give credit to him. He's doing his thing. And, you know, as much as I hate the Jets because they're in the Dolphins division, you have to give him props when it's due. He's doing an incredible job similarly to his New York foe, Ryan Dabble. You know, he's doing great things in, in with the Giants. I've mentioned him on a previous podcast. Facts. We've given him his flowers. It's time to give Robert Sala his flowers. And there's me giving them to him. Bet. So you're ready to shoot straight in the NBA? I'm ready. Bet. So we got Jaquie Vaughn, correct? Vaughn? Jock Vaughn, I think. That's what I meant. Sorry. Jock Vaughn named the new Brooklyn's head coach. And we thought it was going to be Ime Udoka, but maybe because of the situation that he's dealing with, whatever, whatever, they decided not to. And, you know, Jack Vaughn, he's he's experienced at Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So... It's good that they're giving him a chance. Everyone's giving him praise. I think it's a little early for that, though. Got to give him some time. I don't. I don't think he's going to be the like taking him to the playoffs or anything like that. Especially not this year. 
like I said, just give him some time. Maybe next year, I think. But you, you, did you hold on, hold on. Did you just say you, you don't you don't think the Nets are going to the playoffs? <sighs> they got a completely new, different coach, man. It's just, I do I. I thought they were going to go far in the playoffs, but I don't know. It's hard to tell right now. Well, I'm not ready to quite go that far. I, for me personally, obviously, I, I, you know, I expected it to be Ime Udoka. I'm going to get into that in a second. I'm rooting for Jock Vaughn, obviously. I think you know, it's an internal hire. He has familiarity with the, with the players, you know, the other uh, members of the coaching staff and all things of that nature. I think... He still has a great team. Obviously, it's the Brooklyn Nets. We know what they got. It's a great team. Can he get the best out of this team? That's what remains to be seen. His record is not promising. Let's just be honest. As his, in his only other head coaching experience with the Orlando Magic, he had a record of 58 and 158 as a head coach. Obviously, but I don't have to tell you that that's absolutely terrible. However, him himself, he was able to lead the Nets to a 7-3 and record in 2019-2020. So, you know, I think obviously it's hard to do much with the Orlando Magic, especially back in the 2015 days. You know, they're just not a good team. I think it's hard to put 100% of the blame for the Magic, you know, having a terrible record on Jock Vaughn. I think I'm glad that he got another opportunity with the Brooklyn Nets. Do I think he was the number one best hire that they could have got for this role at this very moment? No. I'm rooting for him, but if I'm being 100% honest, Ime Udoka was the best option for the Brooklyn Nets. In terms of winning the most basketball games, you know, obviously he's got his own scandal going on with the Boston Celtics and things like that. However, the Nets needed a guy who can transform this, not not transform this team into a winning team. And there is no better guy to do that than Ime Udoka. Brad Stevens was the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And we consider Brad Stevens a damn good coach with a damn good roster during those times. And he failed eight consecutive years of getting the Boston Celtics to the finals. That was including when you know, LeBron was on the Cavs and they took him to seven games and they choked it. All kinds of opportunities that they had, they continued to blow it year after year. Ime Udoka comes in year one, takes him to the finals, takes the Warriors to six games. And they had a chance to win that series, if I'm being 100% honest. Obviously, this whole situation goes down. The Nets, the, he, he falls into their lap. They have the opportunity to get Ime Udoka. And they, and they somehow, they, you know, because of the scandal and because of the, the media backlash, they say no. I understand it. However, in terms of winning the most basketball games and putting yourself in a position to win a championship, it's the wrong move. You needed Ime Udoka. He is going to be the. He would have been the guy to get the most out of Kyrie. Get rid of this media, you know, BS that's going on with the Nets. Because if I'm being honest, every single time you wake up and you turn on ESPN, something is going on with the Nets. There's always some scandal. There's always some BS going on. If anyone was going to fix that, it was going to be Ime Udoka at the end of the day. Although he has his own scandal going around him, once that got out of the way and they focused on just the basketball, there was going to be no more issues with the Brooklyn Nets. Ultimately, you know, they decided to aid on the side of caution. And, I, you know, I think obviously they're still going to be the Nets. They're still going to be a great team, especially once Kyrie Irving comes back officially. You know, there, there's rumors that he's coming back very, very soon. You know, they're going to be a good team. They're going to be a playoff team, no doubt in my mind. However... With Jock Vaughn, they are not a, a championship contender. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. They are not going to make the NBA Finals. They are not going to win the NBA Finals. They are not doing anything like that with Jock Vaughn. However, if they had got Ime Udoka like we all expected, like I think they should have done, 
you could get up here and say, okay, I think they are going to make the NBA Finals. However, the hiring of Jock Vaughn gives me no faith in them for that to happen, if I'm being 100% honest. However, I'm rooting for him, and I want him to succeed because I love it when you hire from within and you get promoted up the ranks. And, of course. And you get an opportunity, especially a high-profile opportunity with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, with the Brooklyn Nets, given the fact that his only other opportunity was, a, was with a trash-ass Magic team. I'm glad he's getting another chance. However, if I'm being honest, he might prove me wrong. I just don't think he's taking this Nets team to the finals, if I'm being 100% honest. You're right. You got to give him an opportunity, bro. You got KD, you got Kyrie, man. I mean, I was going to say Ben Simmons, but he's not really as performing as well as he should be this this season. So we'll have to see. Yeah, Udoka was 100% the best option. And, and my main thing is not that Vaughn is going to mess up the, the team chemistry or do anything like that. It's more just like, how is he going to be able to handle fixing these mental issues with the Nets, such as the Kyrie Irving situation, fixing up the media situation with that, fixing up anything that's going to come up with Kevin Durant because there's always something. Can he deal with the Ben Simmons media drama? Can he deal with the outside noise? The Brooklyn Nets is about as high profile as it gets in the NBA right now. And you know it just remains to be seen how he's going to handle that and just how he's going to perform under that pressure and scrutiny because if it goes starts going south, you know they're winning right now. You know, a little bit of that new coach, you know. You, of course, you win when you have the new coach right away. As soon as it starts to go, they get a little south. They go on a three-game losing streak. They get, go on a four-game uh, road losing streak and things of that nature. How is he going to be able to respond to the pressure? That's the things that we need to find out about Jock Vaughn before we 100%, before I 100% get up here and say, the Brooklyn Nets are contenders again. Until I see that and how they're going to respond to criticism and how they're going to respond to bad things that's going to happen throughout the course of the season, I, I can't say that this is the bright hire, and I can't say that this is going to take them to the finals like they probably need to be going to based on how good this roster is. Without a doubt. Well, speaking of Kyrie Irving and the Nets, we got Phil Knight dropping Kyrie Irving. Oof. This is just another battle between public figures and free speech, bro. We we, sp- we spoke about this before with Kanye and We'll we'll get into that later. Do you believe that he should have been dropped from Nike? Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's not surprising. You know, given the way brands are dealing with things of this nature nowadays, I don't find it surprising because the media backlash with this Kyrie situation has probably been worse than any other Kyrie situation, and he's had a lot of situations. You know, it's not surprising that when something like this goes horribly wrong that, you know, Nike is going to cut ties. Do I think, like, so it's not surprising to me. I think that it, it was inevitable, if anything. However, do I think it was the right thing to do? You know, I think Kyrie is doing everything right now in his power to make up for it. You know, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to fix it up. So do I think that, Maybe a, a, an indefinite suspension from with Nike would have been the better option, potentially, because I think he's trying to do things that are going to fix it up so that he can play basketball again. And if he's going to do that so he can play basketball again, I think it should kind of carry the same weight with Nike. It should have just been like, we're not going to do anything with you for right now, but I'm not going to completely cut you off because eventually you're going to come back and you're doing the right thing. He's trying to fix it up right now. You know, Is, is he doing, at least last week and things like that, was he doing the best job of doing that? No. But as of right now, he's trying to do the things on that NBA list to get himself in the position to play again. He's apologizing. He's, he's uh, becoming more knowledgeable and things of that nature. 
he's trying to do the right things. So I think it's a little bit un- unfair and unfortunate for Kyrie to be getting cut from Nike, you know, just because of that. Because he's right now he's trying to fix it up and he's trying to do the right thing. However, it's not surprising because Phil Knight, at the end of the day, he's protecting his brand, he's protecting Nike. And, you know, it can be, I think it's a little bit hypocritical of Nike because, you know, they kind of pick and choose when they want to cut ties with athletes. And sometimes, that's what I'm and, saying. And, and, and sometimes they let some stuff slide that's questionable and they have done in the past. And then this time they're not letting it slide. I think it's one of the things that's always going to look hypocritical. However, it's not surprising to me. Of course, like Jalen Brown, he was questioning, saying, oh, like, why is, why is Nike doing this? Because, like, they never cared about ethics necessarily in before. In the past. That's what I'm saying. I saw that. Especially with um, them trying to cover up the whole China labor camp situation and LeBron being involved in that, bro. It was all crazy. So, and it's just, it's just a whole mess. So, honestly, I don't think they should have. Like you said, they should have dropped Kyrie right away, and they should have just gave him some type of suspension for a little bit until, you know, like you said, he's starting to apologize now and everything's working out. Yeah, I think that would have been the best option, but, you know, like I said. He's Ky- protecting Ky- the brand. And, and Kyrie has done a lot of things in the past to be, you know, potentially Phil Knight is sitting there like, is it even worth indefinitely suspending this guy? Because by the time we allow him to come back in, he's probably going to do something else and mess up again. You know, this guy has a history. So, you know, I can kind of see it from both sides. You know, if I'm Phil Knight and I'm the owner of Nike, I'm not cutting ties with Kyrie exactly just because of what he was bringing to the brand. But also, he's doing his best to fix it up right now. You know, one thing, if he was still on that train of not apologizing and still like, yeah, you know, like like still promoting the movie and things of that nature, if he was still doing all that, I 100% get it. But right now, he's trying his best to fix up. And like, how can you... Like, for somebody who's trying to improve and trying to fix up, how can you, you know, hate on that? Maybe we'll see a Kyrie and Yeezy collab. Yeah, yeah, I, I, wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. That's what I'm saying. I don't doubt that in the future. Without a doubt, Kyrie will get his own Yeezys. If that's what he wants to do. I mean, obviously, he's going to get a shoe somewhere. Exactly. You know, and, and you know, I don't know if Kanye got that money anymore. I mean, I, <laughs> I, still, I, still, think, I still think he does, but I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what happened, but... Kyrie and Nike have been together for so long, it's going to be kind of weird to see him. Them cut ties. Yeah, and making a new shoe because that's like the second most popular basketball shoe that, that Nike got, the Kyrie's. Facts. So it's like, it's just interesting, but like I said, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was a business move at the end of the day by Phil Knight. Yeah, and he's always going to look out for it. Like, look, Phil Knight isn't letting his business crumble because of Kyrie. Yeah, man, he got employees that he got to feed. Yeah, but he's, he's not even that. He's just focused on, you know, he's he's got to keep his business, you know, on the up and up like it's always been going. Of course. You know, Nike is continuing to grow every single day. Yeah, so and it's he, not only that. Like you're saying, yeah, it's bigger than the brand. Nike, like, it's just like a whole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a whole model, m- motto. People use it as a way of life now, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, you know, I understand why he, he wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't ruin that for, for Kyrie. one person. Yeah, no, of Kyrie. course not. But. So let's get into music. We got 21 Savage claiming he wants all the smoke with everyone from 2016, the XXL freshman list, man. And Kodak responded. Bro, I'm telling you right now, Raheem, I don't think he's really beating anyone on, anyone on that list, man. He might slide past Yachty, bro. He might beat Yachty. He may beat Denzel Curry, but he's definitely not beating Kodak. There ain't no way, and he's not beating Lil Uzi Vert, bro. There ain't no way. 
Lil Uzi got way too many hits, and so does Kodak. And that's just the facts. Yeah, my thing with 21, obviously he said that, and the first thing, like, 21 is the third best artist on that 2016 freshman list, in my opinion, you know? It's one of those things, obviously, as soon as he made those comments, People said Lil Uzi, but the main one people were always getting on him with was Kodak. Facts. Because I, I think deep down, everyone already just knew Uzi would beat him. Kodak and him is a little bit more of a debate, so I think that's why that caught a little bit more controversy, and that's why everyone's talking about it. And plus, the fact that Kodak actually officially responded. He went on IG Live, he responded, and then 21 has since responded back, doubling down on the comments. Hopefully we'll see a versus soon. Hopefully we will, but I think it's one of those things... You know, Kodak, in terms of the official statistics, he doesn't have quite as much going for him as the other two artists. You know, zero number one hits on Billboard, four top ten hits, and only 36 songs in, in his career to actually chart. However, w- as soon as I say this, you're going to be like, okay, we'll throw these numbers at the, at the window because they don't really count anymore. No Flockin', it peaked at number 95 on the Billboard Hot 100. If you think No Flockin' is a number 95 song in the world, if you think that's what, like, like some people, would be, like, they would just look at the stats and be like, oh, No Flockin' wasn't even really that big of a hit. Come on, bro. You, crazy. Sm- you, you are smoking something if you think that. <laughs> Kodak, he's got anthems that have not even gotten the recognition on the Billboard chart. So you can't look at this battle just based on the verses, just based on the verses with the Billboard charts. You just can't do it because... He plays no flock and built 21's gonna be like, wait, that shit only charted number 95 on Billboard. That ain't even a hit. We all know that that's a hit. For how that's Kodak a, affected That's a classic. How he f- affected the music industry and the way music is created, bro, nowadays, bro, in the South especially. So Kodak got hits that aren't even getting the recognition they deserve that everyone else considers big hits. The, my thing with 21 is he's a great artist. Don't get me wrong. He's got, and he's got hits. But his hits. Either he's the feature on them, or his it's his song, but and he always has a feature. Think of Twenty One Savage's biggest hit off the top of your head, Rockstar. Who's the feature? Post Malone. A lot. Who's the feature? J Cole. And obviously now he's got a bunch of songs with Drake. Mister Right now with Drake. He's now he's got a whole album with Drake that's gonna all chart on the Billboard. Well, his come up song was by himself. No heart. And uh, yeah, but think about that album. He had X. X with, with Future. With yeah. Future. He had his, his some of his biggest hits. Obviously, he's had a couple solo hits, but his biggest biggest hits, the ones that you associate with him the most, features. Whether it's him being the feature on someone else's song, or vice versa, it's his song with the feature. And for me, that has to hold some weight. True. So when comparing him to somebody like Lil Uzi, or Young Boy, my bad, he got the Young Boy features twenty one. Lil Uzi. <laughs> He has one number one yep. hit with, with obviously that's as a feature with Migos, you know, Bad and Bougie. That's his Facts, only that's his yeah. only that's his only solo number one hit. But then he has six top ten hits. And obviously one of those is the number one song, Bad and Bougie. But then those other five top ten hits are all solo songs. No features, Exo no Tour Life. They're all yeah, Exo Tour Life, Lil Main, uh Baby Pluto, all those types of songs. No features. That holds more weight to me. This man has solo hits. And then let's also, the songs that didn't go top 10 but are still in the Billboard Top 100, 85 total songs, which is more than 21 Savage. He is not beating Lil Uzi Vert in a versus. It is the facts. I'll sit up here. Like there's, you can't make that debate. 
Kodak, you can make the debate, and I still probably am giving the edge to Kodak. But Uzi, no debate. 21 is a great artist, but Uzi washes him because of the reasons that I previously mentioned. Uzi can do it 100% by himself consistently. He always will. When he drops his next project, it's guaranteed to have a couple solo hits. And, he, and, and Eternal Take sold more than any 21 Savage solo projects. This obviously her loss with Drake is projected it did sell 410k, which is more than Eternal Take. Eternal Take sold 310k first week. But that is with Drake. <laughs> this is Lil Uzi Vert solo, last solo album, Eternal Take. Sold like 120k more than 21's most ever sold by himself, which is Savage Mode 2. That holds a lot of weight to me, and that just goes to show that there are there's a little bit of levels to this. And I understand where 21 is coming from because at the end of the day you have to believe in yourself more than anybody else does so he like i would honestly be disappointed in 21 if he got up there and said that kodak and uzi they beat me no you can't say that you have to say this you have to say that you would smoke everyone even if you don't 100 believe it but he does believe it but you that's what you have to say and i'm glad he did say it because you have to have that belief in yourself if you're not going to have that belief then no one is however at the end of the day it's up for us to debate it and not 21 and all of them. He's obviously going to say that to spark the controversy. And it's up to us to debate it and speak the facts. And when the facts are spoken, the fact of the matter is Uzi and Kodak are beating 21. Without a doubt. And like I said, a little Yachty, bro. He might even he might even be close, nah, bro. He, he ain't, Yachty's he's losing. He got some bangers, though, in the vault. Yachty's losing. He got some b -b -b bangers. Yachty's losing. Yachty's losing. There ain't, it ain't really. I don't. I I purposely left Yachty out because he's losing. All right, so twenty one without the features, Yachty without the features. Yachty, what do you mean? Yachty ain't Yachty ain't beating twenty one. I don't know. Yachty, Yachty don't have no hits in twenty twenty two. Twenty, he don't got recent hits. He's got like one night. What is that? Twenty sixteen. Like we're going way back. Yachty don't. You know, like, what do you mean, Poland, bro? I took the walk to Poland. <laughs> you know, you, I ain't even counting that. Like, Yachty, bro, he's, he's, he's doing different stuff at this point in his career. Yachty himself would say, I'm not beating 21 in the verses. He's dropping a new album. We'll see if it's fire. It might be fire, but it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna, there ain't no songs on there that's gonna go into the verses battle with 21 and, and give Ooh. him a dub. Not a single song. Damn. Not a single song. No. Uzi and Kodak, you know, you can make a debate. Yachty, bro, he ain't. He's the, he's the clear fourth. You know, it, it's Uzi, Kodak, 21, Yachty. He's the clear fourth. And, that, and that's a, and look, when you're, you're behind three all-time great amazing artists, you know, Yachty's taking that. It's, it's just... You know, you're behind Uzi, Kodak, and 21. I mean, if I could be behind uh, that type of list, you know, you have to take that. And like you said, he just really hasn't been dropping recently. That's what I'm saying. And the music he has been dropping, it's been more niche-based. And he, like, he dropped a Michigan-sounding uh, album. It's not for the mainstream. Talk <laughs> said Michigan. Yachty, is, is, he's on his own wavelength right now of music. He's over here. He's more. He's doing production for Drake. He's more tied into the uh, that type of space right now. He's, he's, he's doing his own thing, and you got to respect it. But he's not really concerned about making music that's going to beat 21 in a versus battle. And, and I'm glad he isn't because he's not. He's not beating him. Facts. So we got Roddy Rich dropping a new album. 
Feed these streets. Three. Oof. His last album sold 62K. I think it's going to be right around there. And that was a flop. However, his name was on the decline. His name was on the decline in the media. He wasn't really doing that good. His name wasn't being portrayed the best. And 62K right now, think about it. The Migos, they sold less than that. They sold less than that. So 62K, bro, 60K, even if he sells 60K, 65K, you're, you're taking that as Roddy Rich, bro. You're taking that. Of course you're taking that. However... What I do believe, if this doesn't sell well, with his media already, with his media name already being betrayed, bad, whatever, whatever, and like you said, people are thinking his last album was a flop. If he doesn't succeed here, it might be over for him. I don't know if I'm gonna say over, but it ain't looking good. Yeah, it's not. It's not looking good whatsoever. It's not looking good at all. What I could say is, is the singles that I've heard. I think that this is gonna be a great album. Exactly. I think. Roddy Rich knows that he has to make a, a solid comeback here. He knows that he even said it himself in an interview that Live Life Fast was not good. He said he wasn't in the right headspace when he was making the album. He said it wasn't a great album. He knew it, and he dropped it anyway. I think when you're dropping something like this, Feed the Streets 3, it has to be good because it's one of those things, the original Feed the Streets and Feed the Streets 2, you know how good they were. You know, his fans are their core projects to, to the reason why he is where he's at today. You know, his fans love him. And when you're going to drop a, an album called Feed the Streets 3, given how good the previous ones were, it has to live up to that expectation in some way, shape, or form. And based on what I've been hearing, I think it will. I think that this is going to be the one that cements Roddy back into the the right path of where he was going before. Because let's just be honest, after Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial, people were talking about, well, th- th- this guy is going to be unbelievable. He's going to be one of the biggest things in the rap game. And then, he, you know, he flopped and he messed it up. I think this is going to put him back on track to 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 get back to where he needs to go. I think it's going to – I don't know about the sale. I, I could say that it might probably do around that 50, 60, 70K range, and I think that'll be good. I don't think it's necessarily about the sales as much as it is about – Proving quali- himself. And, and, and dropping a quality project that the fans respect. Exactly. Because the fans did not respect that last album. Oof. But if he gets it back into their good graces and the people are like, okay, I can tell Roddy he tried on this and it's really good. We're we're rocking with these songs. He drops a couple of bangers that his fans can relate. You know, like oh, this is like that old Roddy, and they're 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 getting that vibe from it. I think that's what we can expect from Roddy on this album. And if that happens, he's gonna cement himself back into the lane that he was on before, and he's gonna be, you know, back up there competing for awards and winning Grammys and things of that nature. That's where he was at. I think I think he can get himself back into that path. And it's hard. Cause I agree with that, so it's like it's either he's like going, he's going up here, and he's gonna start winning Grammys again, or he's going down here, man, and his career is just gonna be at the bottom, and it's gonna be real, real hard from Rod to from for Roddy Rich to get himself at the bottom. It really, really is. Cause once once you're at the top and you go back down, bro, it's hard to get yourself back to the top. It is. It's hard because once people start hating on you, like, it's easy to continue to hate rather than start showing love again. Exactly. However, I think Roddy knows that and I think that's why he knows he's gotta drop a classic. Gotta make a banger album. And and I think that's why he's been taking his time. I think that's why what he's been doing what he's doing with the singles. And ultimately I think 
you know, I think we're we're in for a, a treat when this officially comes out this week because I think it's going to be really, really good. And and who can complain about new Roddy, especially when we're going to get motivated Roddy. You know, motivated Roddy is something that it, it could take over the rap game again, like I said. So that's what I want to see. Facts. That's what I want to see, too, because Roddy is a great artist, man. We saw him in Gainesville perform live, and it was a great show. <laughs> yeah. Great show, but, man. And, and we saw that show right after he dropped the the the, the flop. Yeah. And, and it was like his first ever performance since that flop. And he you could tell he was a little bit dejected. And he, and he thanked the fans for showing love because you could tell he wasn't in the right headspace. So hopefully yeah, now with the time that he's taken, he's, he's rebounded and he's gotten himself into right headspace and he's going to be, he's cooked up good music and, and we'll see how it translates into the uh, Feed the Shoes 3 project. And who knows the features that could be on this album, bro. They could be... Quavo, man, there just be, any there anyone. Could, there could be literally be anyone on this project. Anyone, and there could just be a lot of solo Roddy that's trying to cement himself again. You don't, we don't, we don't know what to expect. Cause, but he, it's because he's well established in the industry. Like he has, he has the opportunity to get so oh, many. No, he, he does. Kodak, he does. Everyone. We just don't know what he, what his plans are, what he wants to do. Facts. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's interesting though because like a lot of rappers, like you see them like. They have like their friends, and like you know, like we expect the feature to be on the album, similar with Drake, Future, whatever, whatever. But Roddy Rich, he doesn't really associate himself with that many people, with like a, a set of people. No, he does a certain he, person. He really does his own thing. Does his own thing, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You don't like literally, bro. We don't know who he's friends with behind closed doors because he doesn't really hint at that too much. He doesn't show too much of his personal life. Literally, there could be either nobody on this project. There could be only a couple features. There could be loaded with features. We genuinely have no idea what to expect. And preferably, I would preferably want not too many features, just a couple features, just maybe two, three, yeah, maybe two, and maybe, maybe like twelve songs, something like that. Yeah, because I think this is a, it's counting as an like a EP mixtape, not an EP, but like a mixtape. It's not counting as a studio album, so I could expect it to be around that ten to, to twelve songs range. If anything more, maybe than that, even less. If it's anything more than that, I'd be kind of a little bit surprised. But it's it's similar to that her loss thing, you know. The less tracks, the easier it is to cement yourself as an easy comeback, you know. Because if you drop nine, hundred percent, you know, great tracks. Compared to dropping nine great tracks, but also having seven misses on there, you know it, that one of them is a, a oh my god, this guy dropped a classic, and one of those is oh he flopped again, and it, he dropped the same amount of good songs, but what you know look at how differently the two will be perceived. So it's about being smart, and not all artists are smart about things like that. So it'd be interesting to see what Roddy does. Facts. We got Key Glock dropping a new album as well. Yeah, the the pre, the pre five L. Uh, EP album, I think I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think this will definitely help um, cement Key Glock into the mainstream more than he already is. With his last album only selling around 30k, which I think they were but bangers. And for Key Glock, it's pretty good. I feel like. Yeah, but being, I, I feel know. like they were hella but bangers on that song. Like they, they should have like went maybe like I'm not saying like you know what I'm saying top of Billboard, but I feel like they should have done better. Yeah, maybe some. Radio hits or something, bro. So, something, bro. Like something, bro. Like top thirty, top fifty, something, bro. But yeah, I think this will help him cement himself more in the mainstream. I think this is gonna sell forty five k, bro. Forty five fifty k. I think it's a possibility. I think the thing with with Key Glock is, you know, he he knows his core fan base and he's feeding his core ban core fan base and he's always looking to add to it. But he he's not expecting too many people to be added to it. 
you know, being independent like he is, I think he's he's, he's dropping for the fans. And and that's what I can respect about Keegok is that he's continuously he's not switching it up too much. He knows what his fans want, and he's and he's delivering. And that's what I like about an artist like Keegok. He consistently feeds the fans, and he feeds them what they want to hear. And I can expect a lot of songs that are going to be, you know, you kind of know what they're going to sound yeah. like, but they're going to be bangers because it's Keegok. That's what we want. You know, we might want him to try a couple versatile things here and there. It would be interesting. But at the, end the, at the end of the day, we want what we want out of Keegok. You know, we know what we want, and we know what he's good at, and we know what he's best at, and that's what we want. So if Keegok is able to stick to what he's always been sticking to and then have a couple features, I think it has the potential to continue to to put his career on the up. You know, exactly. You know, it's sad that Dolph isn't here to see him, you know, continue uh, his legacy and continue getting bigger and bigger in the industry. But I hope to see a Dolph feature, honestly, because I want to hear more Dolph music. And, and, and let's just be honest, anytime Dolph and Keegok made a song, we know what it's going to be. And anytime we can hear another song that they made, it's not only a legendary moment, but it's just beautiful to hear because we know how good Dolph was. Dolph was one of, if not the greatest in the game, R.I.P. Dolph. You know, along with everyone else that's unfortunately gone since then, you know, like Takeoff, RIP Takeoff. It's just one of those things, you know, another example, you know, gone too soon. But I think this is an opportunity for Keegok to hopefully, you know, bless us with another Dolph feature. And if he's able to continue and do some things like that, I think it's going to be a great project. Yep, RIP Dolph, RIP Takeoff, and Keegok is only moving up in the industry. Yeah, he's going to continue to grow in. You know, like I said, he's going to continue to add to his core fan base. And that's the most important thing, getting people to join. Even if he only gets, you know, like, you know, some people here and there, he's getting core fans. And, and having a core fan base is one of, if not the most important thing for an artist. Look at look at young boy. Yeah, because once you develop a core fan base, then you can be testing the waters a little bit. And, and then you can and be and more versatile. Get, and they're still going to like it. Exactly. Because they're going to just like anything you do because you're that guy. Exactly. Exactly, and I think that's what Keegok is going to do, and you gotta you gotta respect that, you gotta like it, and, and it's Kodak at the or it's Keegok at the end of the day, it's what you want. Yeah, I'm expecting a solid eight. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what you have to expect with Keegok. You know, it's one of the things he's super consistent. You know, every project he's he's really consistent at dropping, like an eight. You know, you it's like you expect a seven to eight, and pretty much every single time, that's what he's going to deliver. Nothing more, nothing less. And you got to take that. We'll see if it's something more, though. Yeah, we can always hope. Yeah. Could be hiding something in the vault. Like you said, a Dolph feature. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. We'll we, see. Yeah, we don't doubt it. And uh, then no, Dolph had a really, really good connection. They, they they probably got thousands of songs that we haven't heard. So they can just pick one. Facts. So we got Pharrell Williams dropping the single with Travis Scott down in Atlanta. It's going to be fire, man. Fire. This was the this is potentially the only time we'll be able to see these creative minds work together because you know they can't work together in clothing because they work for two different brands. They're under two different brands with Pharrell being under Adidas and Travis with Nike. We'll only be able to see him collaborate in music, and I'm honestly glad to see that because we they're both really really good at what they do, and although they do make clothing on the side, their heart and soul is in music. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to see them collab gonna be it's gonna be amazing because just they're just so creative like i was saying the creative minds are just so creative it's gonna be interesting to see yeah what i can say is 
you know, we heard the, I heard a snippet of the song, and it's it's hard to judge exactly how fire or not fire it's going to be based on the snippet. You know, some people were saying that the snippet was ass, and some people were, some people were saying the snippet was fire. It's a real mixed review, and I can agree with the point that you made that this is two creative geniuses coming together. However, Pharrell is probably not quite the creative mind that uh, we associate him as back in the day as, as now. You know, he has fallen off slightly. There's no disrespect to Pharrell. It's just he's not making the same quality of beats that he was back in the day that he is now. It's just the reality of the situation. And it's because he's ventured into other things. And But however, you know, that's not to take away from the fact that it's Pharrell at the end of the day. And that's a exactly. legend. And he can come up with a banger beat at any, way, at any time because we know it has the capability of doing it because it's Pharrell. And then with Travis, it's one of those things. I think we saw this feature on Drake and 21's uh, collab album with Pussy and Millions. That was a, a banger verse. I think now it's no coincidence that, that now next week he's getting, this is pretty much a full song of his. I think we're starting to see that Utopia rollout start to happen. We're going to see more and more Travis Scott until eventually Utopia does come out. I think it's coming out early 2023 at this point because it looks as if he's getting his name back in the, the music scene. He's dropping a lot of Slowly. features. He's, he's getting himself back out there. I think we can expect Utopia to come pretty soon, and that's something to look forward to. However, with this particular song, it has to be fire. I think it needs to be fire. First of all, down in Atlanta, the name itself, it brings, okay, he's down in Atlanta. This has got to be fire. Just The name sounds fire. Like, this is Travis, Pharrell. It needs to be fire. I think. You would call Atlanta second home to a sense. He's always there. So I, Exactly. So I, I would say my expectations for this, this is going to be a very good single. It has to be. If it's not. It's going to be bad because, first of all, it's going to look bad on both of these two geniuses because, well, you know, all these two came together and they made a, a bad song. But then also, Travis is using this for his Utopia rollout at the end of the day. And he just had a banger verse with Drake in 21. So people are, you know, okay, Travis might be back because some people thought he was falling off. Oh, he might be back. Maybe he didn't fall off. If he has a, this is bad, Oof. it's just going to be like, oh, no, we were right. He, he did a good verse for Drake at 21, but no, we were right. He fell off. Like, this is ass. So th this is, is it not, it's not quite make or break, but this is very important, I, I would feel say. like even if he gets mixed reviews, though, it'll still be a dub. Because, like, like, I mean, it's Travis at the end of the day, so, but I'm saying, like. Like we were saying, it's two creative minds coming together, and people could say it may, much, may be too creative, you know what I'm saying, for them to handle. Maybe, but, you know, some, I think some people are going to say, oh, this is Travis, and his music is getting boring, and. You know, they made Pharrell make a, a weak beat to suit Travis and things of that nature because that's one of the main criticisms people make is that, you know, people have to make beat switches and do things like that to suit Travis just to make him sound good on their song because he can't do it on the stereotypical beat and things of that nature. So it's like it, it, it's, it can be a harp on Travis. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think there's high expectations and there should be. And exactly how this single plays out in the mainstream is going to be very telling to see what uh, the future holds, I would say, for these artists. Facts. So now we got Eminem being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A legend. I could say, bro, from even the beginning, bro, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like, they, they haven't been, they've always been going outside of, like, that specific genre, you know what I'm saying? They're not always getting rock and roll specifically artists. And 
it's good to see that M- they're giving Eminem his flowers. You know yeah. what I mean? And especially because, you know what I'm saying, his new generation isn't probably playing him as much. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, it's not if, it, 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 <laughs> they'd be like, yo, he just fell off, you know, he, he was good, you know, way back in the day, blah, blah, blah. He's still making music now, but, uh, you know, his core fan base is still rocking with it, obviously, and they're like, oh, it's Eminem. But, like, the younger generation, you know, some of them aren't really rocking with Eminem like that. Yeah, they gave up on him. You know, but with that being said, whatever he he's dropping now doesn't take away from the legendary music he's already made. Facts. And that's why he definitely deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's look, Jay-Z is in there. You know, there's a lot of, it's not necessarily the rock and roll only, like you said. So I think he definitely deserves to be in there. He's a legend of the rap game. Uh, he wasn't. No, I wouldn't say he's quite as influential, you know, as other artists. But he's one of the things we know who he is. Nobody can do it like him, and he's just a legend. At the end of the day, everyone at one point wanted Eminem as a feature, you know, because he was that guy. He, he was up there with Jay Z, Kanye. He was up there. He was one of those. Fifty Cent. He was the, the, with them. That's high, that's high. That's high praise. And that's what he was. And if he, some people say well, he was better than all of those guys, that just goes to show how great he was. You know, is he my personal favorite? Is he better than those guys to me? I don't know about that. You know, I'm rocking with Kanye, Hove, and those types of guys probably. However, that doesn't take away from the greatness of Eminem and the fact that he definitely deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and there was very few that could rap his style. Like, oh, no, no. Like yeah. pretty, pretty much nobody. Yeah, like maybe te- I'm thinking of Tech 9 or um, that, that's the only person I can think of off the top of my head, but very, very few. Very, very few. And nobody can do it quite like Eminem, even Tech 9 or nobody. Like, yeah. Like, think about that rap God flow. Nobody doing that. Oof, and he has just so many hits. Like, hits, 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 hits. He has too many hits. You can't even count how many hits he got. It's like Drake levels, man. He's just up there. It's an endless amount of hits. He's hits on top of hits on top of hits. It's just like never ending. Numbers, the numbers, man. The numbers, the numbers don't lie. Exactly. And those. Numbers prove that he's ex- affected people all across the world. And they prove that he deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame quite easily. Without a some, doubt. Some would say it was disrespectful that it took this long. It's true. It's However, true. though, you got a lot of people that are, you know, you got a lot of options. Yeah, but it's Eminem. You know, some people are going to be like, it's it, you know, it's Eminem. He's bigger than almost any, all of these other options. It's got to be him. Facts. So we got DJ Drama. Getting rid of his Gangsta Grills album, Platinum. Platinum album. He's just, he's just letting it go. Well, now obviously not getting it go, but you know what I mean. He's give, giving away for money. It's crazy. Or, yeah. And he's doing it, I believe, to shine a light on the black community. I, I just, I personally, man, like, you put all that time into making a Platinum album, bro. You're just not auctioning it off, bro. That's just, that's not the play. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I wouldn't auction it off if I was DJ Rod Drama. At the end of the day, it doesn't quite make sense. You know, like, I see the reasons why he wants to do it, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't do it if I was him. You know, I don't have... There has no reason to. It's not like he needs money or anything like that. He doesn't and, need to. And you see you see where I'm going with that. Like, bro, like, I would have gave Aaron Judge's ball away, right? Watch this. Because, like, I didn't, like, work... To put in the work to get the home runs, bro. I just, I was just there at the game and caught the ball, bro. DJ Drama spent hours making these albums, bro. Hours, bro, putting in the time, bro. And he's gonna give, he's gonna give it away essentially. You know what I'm saying? Because he doesn't really need the money, bro. It's DJ Drama, bro. He got money, bro. He's still dropping new music. That's what I'm saying. Still he, making more. He, 
just dropped an out al- help drop an album with NBA, bro. He, he got money, bro. He's dropping another solo album by himself with a bunch of features and stuff. He has Uzi, Forty Two Doug, Jack Harlow, things of that nature. He's, it's coming out very soon. He just announced it. He's still gonna be making more money, continuing to make money. He doesn't need to do this for the money, and that's why it's a little bit confusing to me as to why he's even doing it at all. But at the end of the day. Who am I to judge what DJ Drama is doing? He thinks it's the best play, I guess. And and at the end of the day, that's what he wants to do. Do it, I guess. But I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it if I was him. Like I said, bro, you're putting in all that work, bro, just to auction it off, bro. It's definitely not the play. And you know what's crazy? Like I'm sure like other producers are like, hey, like let me let me let me get that for the low or something, bro. Like don't don't give it to some random who like didn't put no time into this you know what i mean bro yeah because there was other people that put time into it other than dj john bro said like yo like this ain't right what you're doing i'm sure bro they're saying that like i'm i'm sure of it bro it's crazy and obviously like you said there's a lot of people that agree with them like his close family are saying hey it's good for the community whatever whatever it's just i i know there was time put into those it will specifically the gang the gangsta grills albums bro no, there was time to put in those albums. Yeah. So let's get into culture now. We got Activision confirming the next Call of Duty next year, 2023, when they were supposed to wait until the following year, 2024, to give it time for them to develop a good game. Because they've been releasing games after games after games every single year, and there's always been a F-load of complaints. Always. Always. Since they're not giving it the time, I just... I think the next Call of Duty will be... Will just be, the like, the same. People will buy it because it's Call of Duty. But I don't think they'll make any drastic improvements. There'll still be some of the similar issues. Lag times and all of that. And those issues will continue to, to happen until... They just give it time to develop a good game. They just need to give it time. Just give it another year. Well, I, my my main thing about this is that I don't blame them for making a new con in twenty twenty three and things of that nature because it's Activision. They're gonna, they're they're continuously working. They're always doing new things. However, my issue with this is it lies in the fact that they said that they were gonna wait until twenty twenty four and then they magically aren't. They just capped. You know that's where my issue lies with this. You know it's one of the things once you say. 2024, you got to stick to it. And my issue with this is the fact that they are not sticking to their word. They capped, and they're going to drop one in 2023. I think for the gaming community, they could say that, oh, it's good to always have a new COD because it's a new COD. But when you said you were not doing it and you were going to put in this time until wait until 2024 and things of that nature, once you say that, you got to go through and follow through. And the fact that they didn't, it, it, it starts to show that unreliability factor. It starts to show that thing like, oh, well, we have to take it with, with a grain of salt anything that Activision says. Because if they say, oh, well, we're not going to drop it until this time, well, they, they, you know, the next year comes around and they say, well, hey, we lied, guys. You know, we're dropping one this year. And it's crazy because they were just starting to gain their trust back with the community because they were actually responding to, like, the community and anything, like all the updates they wanted to the game, they would put them in right away in Modern Warfare 2. And like the devs would come out and speak about it, but now they're just they're just capping. And that's not what you need to do as a gaming organization. It's not how you're gonna succeed at the end of the day. Cause sure, like they'll succeed now, but come 
you know what I'm saying, 10, 20 years down the line, bro, if they keep doing, pulling these types of antics, bro, like, you know what I'm saying, another game is going to surpass them, whether it's GTA, Halo, another game is going to surpass them at the top. Now, do I think COD is going to go away forever? Hell no. Heck no. It's never going to happen. But do I think another game will possibly surpass them as number one? Of course. There's definitely a possibility. I, I can 100% agree. They just can't keep pulling these antics. That's what I'm saying. You can't. You got to start building the, the, like what you said, the, you know, they were building trust back. That's what they need to be focused on, not not continuously lying to the community and doing things like that. I just think that it's, it's a, it, it's, I understand why they're doing this, but I just think it's an L for the reasons why, like I said, you can't start building that untrustworthiness back with the community and things of that nature. Because it's all a money grab. And at the end of the day, they're scared because traditionally, towards the end of the year, like not the end of the year, like obviously December, but towards the end of the Call of Duty season, like COD just dies. And they're thinking that it might not last a year, but as long as you keep up the content and keep in new content, people will stay. It's never going to be that initial like, oh, everyone's buying the game. Of course not. But if you keep up with the content, people will definitely stay. Just keep Exactly. Just keep adding new content, new weapons, whatever it is. Switch up the game. Switch up, try to add a new game mode to Warzone, whatever it is. I can agree. Ready to get on the next topic? I'm ready. So we got Elon Musk saying that Twitter might be going bankrupt. It's not surprising. Definitely not surprising, man. They're just losing money consistently. The numbers aren't looking good. When Elon Musk picked up the company, they were already 13. When when pick, he picked up the company, they acquired $13 billion in debt. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to help. And then they're already apparently losing $3 million a day. So it's just without a doubt that it's looking like they're going to go bankrupt unless he completely switches up the way Twitter is the way it's run and not necessarily the and way he's it, already trying to do that. That's and it's what I'm not saying. Working. It's not, it's not working, man. He's firing all these employees and it's not, you know, I think one of the biggest L's of all time so far is what he's been doing with Twitter blue. You know, he's been allowing random accounts to get verified just by, by spending $8 on Twitter blue. We are seeing more trolls and more fake accounts act like they're the real thing and impersonating real people <laughs> more so than in, in, in ever before. Uh, you know, I think everyone in the past week has been trolled at least one time by a fake Twitter account. I sent one to G a couple times because I didn't know you do because you literally can't tell. It's a it's a legit verified check mark, and they could say anything and, and be anybody, and then you you believe it because it's a wow like this verified person that I trust has just said this. Wow, oh my god, I gotta tell this person this. And it's ruining media and sources. It's, it's ruining media, and it's making Twitter a, an unbearable place to be on. You know, it's one of the things Elon is completely messing it up. I thought Elon might be able to save Twitter and make it better. Right now, he's failing and completely flopping on his face. And he can, if he continues to do BS ideas like this, I, I, I don't think Twitter is lasting long. And it, he might be the thing that drives Twitter into the grave and finishes it at a company in general. They might never re recover. Facts. People are already, already generally leaving. on Twitter as it is right now. People, are, people might just be leaving the app in general and saying, yeah, it's time. It's time to go. Everyone's on TikTok and Instagram, and, and, and they're Twitter's trying to. Dying. And Elon was trying to bring it back and and make it just as popular as those apps. And I think if anything, he's doing the exact opposite, and he's failing. Facts, and <sighs> he obviously has to get rid of that. You know, what I'm saying that Twitter Blue idea with the eight dollar, no, the eight dollar no, check no, mark. That was a horrible to, idea. That was a horrible idea. But what 
what would you suggest though, man? This guy, like, there's I, no, there's no that it, in theory it was a good because, idea because, because it would make a lot of money, but but his main bar bargain of getting Twitter back was promoting free speech and that anyone could say what they want on their pl- on the platform. And but it's, then, but it's not working. It's not working. It, 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 to me, this just seems like it's going to continue to fail and get worse and worse. And if it, if and it maybe it might get better, but I doubt it. I think that it's just going down, 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 and I don't know exactly how far down it has to go before it completely fails, but I, it's it's headed that way in my opinion. Facts. He he just has to do something, bro. He he definitely has to do something, bro, because he just can't pick up this company for billions of dollars and just take the loss, man. I don't think Elon Musk is that I, type of guy. I don't think he wants to do that, yeah, but I think, I think it might happen. Oof. Genuinely. Might get a blessing. We'll see. It's looking bad at this point in the time. I'll be honest. Definitely, it's looking bad. We'll see how things turn out for sure. Last topic of today's podcast: We got Adidas planning to still use Yeezy's design, Kanye's designs, without the Yeezy name, and that's just ridiculous, bro. Lawsuit. Up the ass, like no, lost, bro. They're, they're not gonna get sued, bro. I, and that's what I was thinking, bro. Because like Adidas, bro, they wouldn't. They own the designs. So they can't get sued. And and they wouldn't. They wouldn't put themselves in that position, bro. But it's just like you know, Kanye's just they, gonna try to find a way, bro. There's no way. Like he, they, they literally own it in in every way, shape, or form. The only thing they don't own is the Yeezy name, and exactly what they're doing is dropping it without the Yeezy name. So they're not getting lawsuit. It's more just the morality of it. You know, should they be dropping it without the easy name? And if that's the point, then I, I just agree. And I don't think that they should be doing this. But I, however, from a brand perspective, from Adidas's perspective, those are their most popular designs. So it would be silly of them to not make the money and drop them. Although Kanye was the one who pretty much came up with them and created them, it's unfortunate for Kanye that he doesn't have the rights to his own designs in this case, but he doesn't. I don't think he really cares at the end of the day because it's Kanye. But I think this is an L for Adidas, you know, even though they're going to make money from it and people are still going to buy them. It's an L for Adidas because they know deep down that this is Kanye, you know. Like a- anyone who's wearing a, 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 an Adidas 350, you can't call it a Yeezy 350 anymore. That if anything comes out, for, I think the 350 model, and it's not Yeezy, but it's an Adidas 350, you're associating that with Kanye still. Facts. Even though it doesn't say the Yeezy name, that's still so associated with Kanye. It's Kanye. Everyone knows it's Kanye. Like, I'm sure Kanye fans hope that people don't buy these these Adidas Ye- Adidas Yeezy design shoes, but they're going to. They're they're definitely going to, especially because they're, they're so gonna, much going to be cheaper. There's so much Kanye hate, bro. Like they're going to be they're going to be cheaper, and people can hate Kanye, but they still like his clothes and his designs at the end of the day because he's the genius in the fashion game, whether or not you like him or not. That's what I'm saying. And so that's that's exactly why they're dropping this stuff without the Yeezy name because they they know he's a genius at the end of the day in the fashion game, and they know. And with the Yeezy name only being gone, bro, like the haters will love it, bro. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. We can wear this. We can wear this and we're not supporting Kanye. Exactly. That's exactly exactly what they want. That's what Adidas is banking on. And that's why they're going to still make a buttload of money off of this. And you have to respect that from their perspective because they're going to make the bag. However, I don't think that they should be doing it. But I know exactly why they're doing it. And if I was in their shoes, I'd probably do it too. Damn, it's just... it's just crazy, bro, that they're really doing this, though, man. It's just... it's just, They're doing Kanye wrong, obviously, and, like, it's just business, bro. It's just from a business perspective, bro. Business is business. Yeah. 
That's exactly that. It's business is business, and it's just what it is. But Kanye will be better off on his own, like we said on previous podcasts. That's the truth, and I've said it before, and I can't wait to see what he has in store. But it's just disappointing that Yeezy is going to continue to use his designs. But honestly, I might end up copping. So who am I to say that it's disappointing? Hey, but hopefully we see a, a Kanye and Kyrie collab. I, I don't know. We, we know we'll see. Would you, are you copping though? Are you copping those shoes? Depends on what it looks like. Oof, limited limited release. Depends on what it looks like. Could be ass. Could be fire. But that's what I'm saying. It depends on what it looks like. If it's fire, obviously, then you know everyone's gonna be trying to get him. But it could be complete, you know, ass. So. We're definitely gonna have to see. Yeah, and obviously, if that does happen which you know there's nothing even a rumor no way of you know no confirmation of any sort <laughs> if it does happen then you know we'll probably be talking about it facts we'll definitely be talking about it yeah okay. ready to wrap this one up yeah i'm ready bet so this is episode 27 of the shoot a straight podcast i'm your co-host blue your co-host zach we appreciate the support like I said, we're up, uh, currently 327 subscribers. We're going to continue to grind, continue to keep going from here. We appreciate the support. Uh, with all that being said, peace. And continue to shoot it straight.